Hey everyone, welcome to episode four of Are You Afraid of Ghosts, where each week I will talk about true ghost stories, haunted houses, paranormal activity, urban legends, and more. My name is Jessica Atkinson, soon to be Jessica Gulliford, and I am excited to share my findings with you. If this is the first episode you're listening to, I would love to hear your personal ghost stories if you can send them to areyouafraidofghosts at gmail.com. Tonight's episode will be about a creepy place that was referred to me by my colleague, Juliana. Juliana grew up in Westchester, New York, and she told me about this place called Buckout Road. I had never heard of it before and decided to look into it. Well, I'm so glad I did because, oh my God, it sounds so scary. Wait till you hear. What's even crazier is they made a movie about it. So I'm so excited. Okay, so here's the creepy story about a place called Buckout Road. Um, the first source is from a website called oh, bedofnails.com. Okay. So this, um, this is about the history of Buckout Road. And I was reading some stuff and it's pretty crazy. So, okay, here it goes. The city of White Plains and town of Harrison within the suburban New York City County of Westchester are known for a few things. There's mul multiple shopping malls an arena which hosts the home games of the New York Knicks developmental team, the headquarters for multiple Fortune 500 companies like Pepsi and IBM, and of course the home of an alleged haunted street called Buckout Road. So this guy actually um, wrote a book. So if you're interested in this type of thing and you end up be in, yeah, if you end up, excuse me, if you end up being interested in the story, if I could talk, that'd be great. Um, please check out his book. It's a nonfiction book. Um, his name is Eric and Eric Pleska, and he wrote a nonfiction book about Buckout Road. So a lot of the information I'm retrieving from his site, and I think it's pretty amazing. So here it goes. So his book gets a lot more in depth into additional top topics, such as the Leatherman, um, the birth of pro wrestling, the farm with the slaughterhouse, and more. But here's the brief overview. During the 1600s, a Native American tribe called the Sewanee, Sewanoi, excuse me, inhabited the land on and around what is now Buckout Road. Also during the 1600s, the Buckout family relocated from Holland to Westchester County, New York. Sachem Chief Wampage of the Sewanoi is known for the killing and scalping of Anne Hutchinson in the nearby Bronx. They are also known as the creators of the first urban legend pertaining to the area of Buckout Road. There were several battles and raids between the Sewanee, Sewanee, and your, I cannot say this, sorry guys, and European settlers in the area. By 1695, a Quaker named John Harrison owned the land, which is now the town of Harrison, where Buckout Road is located. The Quakers, who were white, did not believe in slavery. They believed that the act of slavery was non-Christian and therefore freed their slaves between 1773 and 1783 and were given land to farm in the Stony Hill area in West Harrison by one of the friends, um, which was a Quaker, Frederick Stevens. This predates the law of 1817, which stated that all African Americans in New York State who were born before July 4th, 1799, would be free as of July 4th, 1827. In the first U.S. Census report of the year 1790, the township of Harrison was listed as having a population of 1,156, including 54 slaves. 
the area is known as Stony Hill, is located on Buckout Road. This area was the site of the largest population of African Americans in Westchester County at the time, which at the time included parts of the Bronx. Stony Hill Cemetery is part of this area, as are two stone buildings, which in the woods off of Buckout Road, um, Stony Hill Cemetery holds the remains of freed slaves as well as Black War veterans. The 1867 F.W. Beers Atlas shows that the Hills community included a school and a church. The cemetery was allegedly first listed in 1983 as historic site by the Westchester Historical Society. However, a sign marking the cemetery didn't arrive until 1999, 16 years later. So there's more about that. There's also a creepy picture um, on his site that shows um, a picture of the church on Buckout Road, but I'm going to get a little more into that. So this, let's talk about this Stony Hill Cemetery. So this was established in 1800. It was, it was at one time referred to as Cemetery of the Asbury Colored People's Church and also as the Buckout Road Colored Cemetery. Between 200 to 400 people that once lived in the Stony Hill community are believed to be buried in the 6.5-acre cemetery, including Civil War veterans. It was deemed a historical landmark in June 1999. A sign marking the cemetery was finally erected later that year. It was in, it incorrectly spells Stony Hill Cemetery, um, S-T-O-N-Y, as Stony, S-T-O-N-E-Y, Hill Cemetery. In present-day 2017, the site has small American flags placed throughout it. Um, however, seemingly in random places and not actually on grave sites of war veterans. Not sure what the purpose of this practice is exactly. Um, and then there was a picture of the cemetery entrance taken. So there's actually a Stony Hill Cemetery you can visit. Majority of the graves are unreadable. In spite of various groups claiming to engage in restoration projects, there is no monument, sign, or marker listing the names of those buried at the cemetery. That's kind of sad. Okay. <clears throat> There was a two-day battle between the colonists and the Redcoats at the Horton Grist Mill off of Lake Street, a few blocks from Buckout Road, in White Plains during the Revolutionary War. British troops attempted to, raise, to raid George Washington's supplies, which was stored at the nearby mill. George Washington made his headquarters at the Jacob Purdy house a few miles away. Several me members of the Buckout family fought in the war. Troops were encamped on one of the Buckout's farms. General William Heath utilized the, ho the home of Gilbert Hatfield on what is now Hall Avenue as a headquarters in November 1776. So in his book, um, you can actually find out how a Buckout woman was killed by a troop and what led her to one armed lover um, being brutally murdered and hacked to pieces. Yikes. So um, he gets into that. But... That actually, um, the real people which served as inspiration for several of Washington Irving's characters for the legend of Sleepy Hollow. I love the Sleepy Hollow guys. Um, so that's really awesome. So it, it really was the connection between the Buckouts and George Washington headquarters. So love all that. Okay, here's a little more. On New Year's Day, 1870, a member of the Buckout family committed a gruesome murder in the infamous nearby town of Sleepy Hollow. Ooh. Isaac Van Wart Buckout was named after one of the heroic men that apprehended Major Andre. Isaac married Anne Louisa Coop in 1860. However, their marriage was not a happy one. 
Isaac consistently thought his wife was being unfaithful, and two of the individuals he suspected was his hunting buddy and neighbor Alfred Rendell and his son Charles. On New Year's Day, 1870, Alfred and Charles were guests at the Buckout home. As Anne Louisa was in the kitchen, Alfred and Charles enjoyed a glass of cider in the living room area of the Buckout home. Isaac then excused himself to the bedroom and returned with a shotgun. He stood in the doorway of the room and fired at Alfred Rendell, killing him. He then swung the gun around and emptied the second barrel at Charles. Part of the charge hit him in the left side of the head, which broke the glass goblet which he was drinking from. Glass shattered with pieces embedded in his eye and forehead, leaving him blinded in one eye and covered in blood. Isaac then went into the kitchen, where he beat his wife to death with the gun, crushing her skull and breaking the gun. Isaac fled. Moments later, a confused Charles staggered to the body of his father, shook him, but he was gone. Dubbed the Mad Murderer of Sleepy Hollow, Isaac was jailed and later hanged for his crimes following multiple trials in White Plains. So his book um, that he writes, it devotes a lengthy chapter to this incident, which includes a ton of details, including the stories of his life, um, the theory that uh, the Westchester County was under um, under Masonic control, um, and his time in the White Plains Jail, which includes a suicide attempt, and him claiming to see ghosts in a cell. So more to come on that. <clears throat> but... Um, there's also quotes and things like that from Isaac. So I have yet to read the book. I am super excited to read it. I just found out he had a book. So anywho. Okay. So back to, um, there's a farm, um, that it looks like it's, uh, there's a farm which date back, dates back to the 1700s. It was the last remaining active farm in White Plains until the 1970s. So originally called Pine Tree Farm, it was owned by the Foster family. John Foster and his wife, Elizabeth Marsh Foster, had nearly a dozen, a dozen children, and the farm was passed down through, through the generations. The property once extended for 22 acres, which includes a small cemetery, the one on Buckout Road where John Buckout's grave is. The cemetery was originally the Fosters' family brutal ground, burial ground. Oh, not brutal. Sorry. Well, I'm sure it probably was brutal. Okay. There are over 50 people, including children, buried in that small cemetery. John and Elizabeth Foster had four daughters. Deborah Foster married a man named Step Frederick Stevens. They were Quakers who helped illegally free slaves that resided in the area and gave them land to live on. Pretty heroic. Frederick's buried in the aforementioned cemetery on Buckout Road, yet his gravestone was stolen and never replaced. Again, this man helped free slaves, and his gravestone was stolen and never replaced by the city of White Plains, which owns the cemetery. So digest that. Another foster daughter, Elizabeth Ann, married a carpenter named John Quincy Adams Buckout. Their son is John Foster Buckout. They are also buried in that cemetery. The latter is the only remaining gravestone. Sorry, this is long, guys, but this is pretty interesting just to give you the whole history because a lot of people don't know it. Um, okay. The farm remained in the family for generations with James Foster and his wife, Mary, becoming eventual owners. After James' death, Mary sold the farm to their daughter, Sarah, and her husband, Horace Baldwin, in 1863. It was renamed Baldwin Farm, and the family farming tradition continued. In 1971, the, an arson fire burned down two of the barns. No arrests were made. 
The city of White Plains purchased the property for $300,000 in 1973 with the intention of turning it into a park. Clearly, that's a work in progress. The last farmer, Baldwin David, remained living on the property until his death in 1979. David grew up in White Plains, attended Eastview School in the early 1900s, and played baseball on a team called the Hilltops. He spent his life caring for his animals. After his death, he donated all his possessions to the Presbyterian Church of White Plains, which included 15 cows, 90 chickens, furniture, and farm equipment. Okay. In 1982, that's the year I was born, uh, the farm was completely destroyed by another arson fire. Okay. No arrests were made. Um... Okay, so people are just burning down farms and not arresting anybody, so that's cool. In spite of the city of White Plains purchasing the 22-acre farm located at 500 Hall Avenue for $300,000 in 1974 to be used as a park, it has been largely undeveloped except for a few community gardens. In 2016, which is pretty more recent, uh, 29 goats were hired to live on the farmland for several months. They were employed to remove overgrowth, including poison ivy. The farm's temporary residents made local news 12 um, cable news after some managed to escape from their own fenced-in enclosure. Okay, great. So there's farm animals flying around. Okay, let's get to the juicy stuff. All right. So back to the creepy. Um, Okay, so located where Hall Avenue becomes Buckout Road sits the grave of John F. Buckout and his wife Charlotte Cowan Buckout. As the grave sticks... um, as the grave sticks as the only one in the cemetery, rumors have persisted for years as to who the man who died in 1915 was. Rumors of him being a slave owner and a murderer are false. You can read the truth about John Buckout and who he was, you know, him and his wife in the book. Okay, great. So we get it. We're going to read his book. But here's a little more information. In the late 1970s, there was a ghoulish raid on the cemetery. Gravestones were stolen and there were freshly dug holes in the cemetery. Police investigated and theorized that the corpse, corpses of John and Charlotte Buckout may have been stolen. So his book recaps the incident with quotes um, from descendants and their shocking theories as to why the corpse were stolen. corpses were stolen. Uh, many have claimed to have, have had ghostly experiences at this small cemetery. Photographs often capture what may be orbs and plasmas. And orbs, if you guys don't know what orbs are... Um, Obviously, if you love ghosts, I'm sure you know what they are. But if you can if you take a picture and there's those little look like, like white lights or white bubbles that kind of look like they're floating around, um, those are called orbs and they're supposed to be ghosts. So pretty scary. I've seen them a lot in pictures. So, um, OK, so the road where the cemetery is located used to be a steep hill before 2001 construction leveled it. Rumor was it was a gravity hill. If you put the car in neutral, the car would move itself over the hill. Yikes. Okay. This small cemetery was once owned by the Foster family. The Foster Buckout burial ground is property of the city of White Plains, yet you may notice that there's only one gravestone in it. The more puzzling part is that over 50 people are buried here, and there's no markers because they were all stolen or removed. 22 of those buried in the cemetery died before the age of 20. Some were just small children. So the White Plains Historical Society has stated numerous times dating back to 2001 that a memorial would be placed in the cemetery to recognize those buried here. However, that hasn't happened yet. Okay, so a little bit about the police, um, the police grave uh, checking into the grave theft investigation. This was the original 1977 newspaper article. So, um, 
White Plains City officials this weekend covered up a vandalized gravesite on Hall Avenue which, while descendants of the 19th century builder whose body may have been stolen from the grave uncovered details about his life. So his grave was dug up, John Foster Buckhout, whose grave was dug up in a ghoulish raid on the historical cemetery last week, was a successful builder in the 1800s. I talked about that. Um, he was definitely buried in a casket, and I believe it was a pine box. He was also buried about five or six feet under the ground. But while a five-foot deep hole was dug by robbers on, si- on the site of Buckout's burial, officials still don't know whether his body and casket were removed from the ground. Nor apparently do they plan to find out. So police said Sunday they did not dig further down to the gravesite to find out if the casket was still there and said the city department of public works had filled up the hole over the weekend. Detectives said last week there was a distant possibility that the bodies of Buckout and his wife, Charlotte Cohen Buckout, were stolen from the cemetery, that they theorized that Buckout had not been buried in a casket and that his body or his remains easily could have been taken from the gravesite by robbers. So we're not really sure what actually happened um, and why somebody would do such a thing. So there were people apparently rampaging some cemeteries pretty gross and I don't know why somebody would want to do that so you never know okay so now that you know the history of what you know what Buck Out Road was all about what happened with history so let's talk a little bit about the urban legend and why people are so scared to go there so from hvmag.com um They stated that um, during the lead up to Halloween, you probably heard spooky local stories, gruesome murders, and urban legends, the most famous being the legend of Sleepy Hollow, of course. The one that teenagers often repeat throughout the lower Hudson Valley, though, is the urban legend of Buckout Road. The story of Buckout Road, a spooky stretch of West Harrison and Westchester, is similar to the Bloody Mary story. You drive to Buckout Road, you stop at the Red House, you honk your horn three times, and then cannibal flesh-eating albinos come out and rip you limb from limb. Don't believe me? Just try it yourself. Or maybe it's witches. Apparently three women who were accused of practicing witchcraft were burned at the stake on Buckout Road. Or was it murder? It's also has been said that Isaac Buckout, that's Buckout's, Buckout with an H, shot his wife and a neighbor with a double barrel shotgun there, which I just told you guys a little bit ago. So um, definitely the story floating around. So yes, many ghoulish stories are associated with the same stretch of West Harrison, but by far the most repeated is the yarn about the albinos, perhaps because it's so darn weird. So It's kind of, um, they're talking about the movie a little bit and how, you know, I I don't know why they're talking about homegrown albinos and why, you know, it's pretty terrible. Um, but the, the version of the tale takes, is a take on discrimination. So John Buckout chops off his wife's head, burns down a farm full of slaves after learning that his wife had an affair with one of the slaves. Voodoo witches place a curse on Buckout and his two sons, turning them into albinos who must eat human flesh to get back their pigmentation. It's the ultimate price for being a racist. That's what they stated. That's freaking creepy. Okay. So a lot of people put comments about their experiences and some people put, you know, um, 
Sometimes weird stuff would happen when they drive down Buckout Road. Sightings of children and ghosts were common. But maybe we were seeing things, but that stuff would happen in the, you know, when we were in the car, starting on its own once, rolling backwards up a hill. Um, and then someone else wrote, uh, went there many times as a teenager. It was so scary, but we kept going back. There were also three X's in the road. And the tale is if you didn't lift up your feet when you drove over them, um, then you would get chased. I, I don't know what that's all about, but okay. Um, someone put, I have been on Buckout Road many times with many different people. We would always go with a group in case we needed help. That's always smart. <laughs> it was pretty eerie. You could sense that something wasn't right. It would give me goosebumps driving slowly down the road as you felt the darkness loom over you. We thought we had seen something pop up behind a grave and then disappear but never came face to face with a cursed albino. Okay. So um, this is also another, uh, the last comment I see here on this side. All right. I lived in Quarry Heights. And if you walked into the woods at the spot where Jughead McClure had his shack and drinking spot, You'd walk for quite some time and end up on Buckout Road. My friends and I took many rides, the house that drips blood, the three X's in the road, and yes, the albino house. But no one mentioned the house John Barrymore lived in. So apparently there was somebody, um, John Barrymore was a great actor, um, and he lived on Buckout Road. So who knows what that's all about. All right. Um Someone said that they had an experience when they were about 14. One of the Silver Lake Park counselors took me and my friend Lila for, road, for a ride to buck out. But I'm dead, and I'm dead serious when I say that we stopped the car near the albino house and these three guys came out on some sort of motor scooters and chased us. We were all screaming in the car and driving as fast as we could get away from them. Not sure to this day if it was a setup, but at the time it was sure as heck seemed real enough to us. Okay. Um, someone put, went there all the time and each time got scarier. Used to get left there by the Silver Lake guys and us girls would be crying because it was so scary and dark. Saw so many ghosts there that we lost count. No, really, seriously. There was a graveyard there. And of course, Halloween on Buckout Road was a must. And that is when you really experience the hauntings. What memories? Ooh. Um, Someone said, yep, been to Buckout Road to be chased by albinos. Ah, such great memories. Um, always terrifying when the car stalled in front of the cemetery. Help. Yikes. Okay, so um, some people put lived on Buckout Road for five years. It was very creepy. Some people put they experienced nothing. But um, it's a... Uh, it's something that I definitely want to learn more about. And these comments are, some of them are just super crazy. So someone put um, that the, that place is a legend here in Westchester County. Grew up spooked by it. Albinos in the woods, the ungodly sound of demon frogs in the woods, the gravesite, the narrow one car twisting roads, the house in the road, house in the woods, with the circular driveway that a woman hung herself from, second story window, the rock sheds, caves that were supposedly the start of the Leatherface myth, the red lip barn. Come on, so many stories to tell. Yeah, I heard about the Leatherface part, so that's kind of creepy too. Okay, here's another one. 
when I fell out of a car, gosh, I couldn't imagine. I'd probably die of a heart attack. When I fell out of a car on Buckout Road, um, and I was a little kid when it happened, the people in the car, which was a Camaro Z28, yellow colored, so my brother and sister were driving. Uh, my brother, I don't even, this is terrible writing, I'm sorry. So my brother and sister and the driver was telling me about the story of Buckout Road which there are so many, but the one I was being told was about a guy and his girlfriend had parked on Buckout Road to kiss and make out. Then the guy says to this girlfriend he had to relieve himself. So he goes and does what he has to do, but now about 20 to 30 minutes goes by and she starts to get worried. Then she hears like a scraping sound on the roof of the car, but it's like a scraping sound that only happens like every couple of minutes. So she gets up the courage to go to get out of the car and sees her boyfriend hanging from a tree, dead, and that scraping sound was his hand. Oh, because he's swinging back and forth and it was his hand hitting the roof of the car. And just at that point, I fell out of the car and my shoe fell off and rolled down this little hill and that's where the cemetery was. So I just got up <laughs> and I was so scared. I just ran towards the car because they never knew I fell out until my sister said, stop the car. Donald fell out of the car. Stop the car. Oh. But I heard all the stories of Buckout Road, the witches, house the albino's house and there were there were albino's um let me see hold on sorry i lost my place the three x's spot where they were supposed to stop your car i also know that no friends that live on buckout road many of the keg parties were there good times yikes um i grew up on the buckout road Oh, I grew up on Buckout Road in the Red House. Saw some stuff most people wouldn't believe. Most of the excitement was the rowdy car loads of kids at all hours of the night. <sighs> I grew up on Buckout Road. Lived in the White House with the wall around it. Yep, the house with the albinos. Remarkably, I've lived to tell about it. Yikes, no thanks. All right. Uh, this one night, some friends and I were driving down Buckout Road and we were stopped by a strange pile of bagels in the middle of the road. I don't know. We were looking at this pile saying like WTF. It, what is that doing there? All of a sudden, a bagel comes flying through the window and hit the kid in the front seat square in the face. We all flipped out and sped away as fast as we could. In hindsight, it was hilarious, but we were really freaked out at the time. It would be worth going to see the movie if that scene was in it somewhere. Yes, I would totally see it, but I have no clue what bagels have to do with anything, so I have no no idea. Okay. Um, some people would just, they're just writing there. It's a terrifying place. Um, kids looted the cemetery on a regular, regular basis. Um, they really are hoping this movie happens. Um, weird stuff would happen right after they left the road. Um, they saw a white figure walk across the road and disappear. Then a friend's house had very strange things happen after they left. So maybe it's a coincidence. Um, so who knows? But I think this is pretty interesting. So um, if you are interested in seeing the movie, um, I, I've never even heard of it. But the, the storyline pretty much is a college class project on creation and destruction of modern myth turns terrifying when a trio of young people come to realize the urban legends surrounding the famed Buckout Road may in fact be real. 
and it stars um, like Danny Glover's in it, which is awesome. Um, there's a bunch of pretty well-known people in there. So definitely check that out if you want to. Um, I'm not a spokesperson for it, so I just want to see it myself. But there is an IMDb page and it looks like it came out in 2017. It's just called Buck Out Road. It's all one word. And that's pretty darn scary. Okay. Let me see one second here. Make sure. One last little blurb about Buckout Road, um, which was on bedofnails.com. This person named Rick wrote, I know who found the farmer dead, laid out in a cross shape in front of the front porch, eyes open, gone. I used to feel something looking at me from the window that was on the third floor of the house, facing west, which I could see from my bedroom or bathroom window, a dark hole of terror. I went in the house, cluttered with junk, and went into the Buckout Mansion at 13. Scared. Love Lane, the slaughterhouses, the church that was trashed, saw a car off the road once, and the best is probably when I was maybe 13 or 14, walking past the small graveyard jumped up on the wall and saw in horror at 14 the empty freshly dug pit that contained Mary Foster's coffin stolen with two shovels left behind she had a stone up there and they were all knocked over wow so that is the background of Buckout Road you may also um, hear about in the neighboring um, state Connecticut that the Leatherman um, was supposed to haunt the area as well. So the Leatherman was a fav famous vagrant who walked a 365-mile route from Connecticut to New York, living his life out of caves. The actual identity of the man is something that has been argued for ages. But one thing we do know is that he was donned the Leatherman because of his entirely leather wardrobe. So if you want to know about the Leatherman, that's a whole separate story. Okay, so... What I'm going to do now is I'm going to read a story that I received on Are You Afraid of Ghosts um, at gmail.com. This is actually my cousin Anne has um, an aunt who's not my aunt, but her name's Marietta. So she sent this to me and she said, hi, Jessica, this is Anne's Aunt Marietta. I'll try to make this as short as I can, but ask Anne. I'm a talker. For some reason, I've always been fascinated by the paranormal and I know it's weird, but also serial killers. I think mostly because of the psychology behind both. When my older daughter, Katie, now 30, was just walking, we lived at my childhood home. My mother had passed two weeks after Katie's birth, and we stayed there while we, while we worked on getting our new home ready to move into. Katie would stand at the back door looking up and babbling, laughing and babbling, and almost waiting for an answer, then giggling. This happened quite often and always made me wonder if she was indeed talking to someone. We moved to our new home and had our second daughter, Bridget, now 28, Shortly after, Katie, who spoke in sentences quite early, started telling me that I was not her real mom and that she had been born in California. I would question her, and she would give me the same answers every time. I should have written the story down because by the time she was three or four, she didn't remember what I was talking about. To move on to the actual events that started my interest in ghost hunting, we moved to our current home in New, York, New Jersey around 2000. We had an addition added to our home to accommodate Bridget's needs. She was born prematurely and is multi-handicapped. She is deaf, has cerebral palsy, palsy, has a seizure disorder, is profoundly mentally challenged, and cannot speak. 
She can walk, feed herself, and babble. Shortly after the addition was built, Bridget would look up at two places in our new living room and not only babble, but offer her toys towards where she was looking. This was a daily occurrence, which frightened a few of Katie's friends. One day I was upstairs in my bedroom. I don't recall why I was up there, but I was not lying down and not asleep. I heard the front door open. Oh, I think I missed a spot. I'm sorry. I've learned that a few years. Let me back up. So um, it frightened Katie's friends. I learned that a few years after moving out of the out, the former owners had one of their two sons now grown and on their own pass away. He was raised in our home. Okay. So now one day I was upstairs in my bedroom. I don't recall why I was up there, but I was not laying down and not asleep. I heard the front door open and I was kind of froze because no one should have been home yet. I then heard the door close. I heard what it sounded exactly like a backpack being dropped, just like someone would do after a long day at school. Then I heard running up the stairs and then silence. There was no one on the stairs, no backpack on the floor, and the front door was locked. I can only figure that it might have been their son having one last trip to a place that he grew up in and hopefully loved. After the realization occurred to me and the small amount of amazement passed, I could only smile and hope he was happy that we were living in his home. So technically, Katie began my searching on researching the paranormal more than I had before, and Bridget started a fire under me, and the boy on the stairs set things ablaze. I have since acquired most of the ghost hunting equipment you see on TV, except the really expensive things, and I'm still learning how to use them and learning whatever I can. So I've been, com- and she's been coming to Gettysburg for about six years now. She's not afraid to go to the pitch black, sit on a covered bridge, or sit alone in a room where someone was murdered. Um, looks like she also stayed at a haunted B&B in Gettysburg, and then they're going to stay in New Hope. So it's crazy. So she says uh, she's really enjoying the podcast, and I really am appreciative. Thank you, Marietta, for sharing that story. That is pretty frightening and I can totally see where that would come into play that you would want to check out some ghosts okay this next uh, story that was sent to me was by um, someone I actually went to high school with so thank you Steve for sending this in He writes, hi, Jess. So I'll start with one of the first experiences I've had. So back when I was a kid, me and my family were sitting down eating dinner shortly after we were, we started to eat our microwave turned on by itself. At first we didn't think anything of it. So we went and hit the cancel button. It went off. About 30 seconds later, it came back on. Again, we hit the cancel button, but thought it might just be going on us. So again, we sat down to eat and once again, it came up, it came on. So my mom told my brother to go and unplug it. It goes off and this time it stayed off for about a minute, then came back on and on the display had all zeros across it. It is impossible to get that on the timer and have it running. And remember, it's still unplugged. It really didn't scare me, but more my family and my mom. So she told the spirit to get out of the house and said a prayer. As soon as she was done, it went off and didn't come back on since. In the same house at most nights, you could hear running up and down the hallway. It's a shotgun style row home in Bristol. So it was a long hallway. It wasn't just footsteps, but laughing and giggling of children. Those scared me and I couldn't leave the safety of being under my covers. So that's just one of the earliest the earliest I can remember, one of the earliest I can remember, but I have a couple more. I'll send them another time. 
So he says he hopes we enjoyed that one. And thank you, Steve. That is very creepy. So if you don't know where Bristol is, um, Bristol, Pennsylvania is actually um, historic, uh, very, very old. And there are a lot of haunted places. So I'm sure people that are local to me will be sending me a lot of stories about Bristol. There are so many things that are creepy about there. Um, there's a legend of a chair that if you sit in the chair, you can you can feel um, someone grabbing your arms and it gets really cold and there's all this creepy stuff. So hopefully I didn't scare you too much and you can sleep tonight. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to send in your stories and I'll talk to you soon. Good night.